Welcome to Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. On this podcast, we journey through the devastating experience of the death of a child. Grief is seldom discussed openly in our culture, and the death of a child makes people feel even more uncomfortable. We approach the topic openly and honestly, speaking to people who have lost loved ones and experts who help care for them. Whether you are a parent experiencing loss or someone who wants to support another going through this tragedy, this podcast strives to offer hope and help. Welcome to episode 33 of Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. I'm Marcy Larson, Andy's mom. Today I speak with Aria's mom, Megan. Aria died four years ago unexpectedly in her sleep at the age of 15 months. Megan talks about how this caused debilitating PTSD and she felt like she had really lost herself and her ability to be a mother. We discuss her long journey back from that devastating darkness. We talk about how EMDR helped her return to a life filled with joy once again, where she can be a good mother. Now she has turned her life experience into a desire to help others going through this grieving process. She especially focuses on other grieving mothers. She too has started a podcast. Her podcast is called a Grieving Moms Podcast. She also has started doing grief coaching, first individually and now with a small group as well. For more information on Megan, go to my website where I'll have links to her website. Also, be sure to check out her podcast, again, Grieving Moms Podcast. I hope you enjoy our conversation today. Thank you so much, Megan, for agreeing to come on the show today. I really appreciate having you come on and tell your story. I am so excited to be here, and I really appreciate you having a space for us people, moms who have lost children and know this pain to come and share a story and and what it's like to lose a child. Well, and I thank you for that as well, because you are offering the same kind of thing for people. Um, but anyway, why don't you start out and just talk to us about your story and your daughter, daughter Aria. Yeah, my daughter Aria was 15 months old, and it's almost four years that she died. Um, she died suddenly. She died from SUDC, a sudden unexplained death in childhood. It's similar to SIDS, um, but after a year old, it's deemed SUDC. So basically, there was no cause found mm-hmm. for her death, um, which, you know, whatever. You could go that it's hard to not know what's the reason, and then it's also easier to when you don't know the reason because you just, whatever. Anyways, <laughs> yeah. I... So talk- Tell us about her, about, about her, her as a kid. Yeah. yeah, She was, we always called her our princess. She was our third child. Um, we had two boys and a girl. And I just remember when she was born, I just still hold on to those memories of like holding her. And she was my girl. It was so fun to have a girl. And just, I, <laughs> I bought clothes for her like I've never bought for my boys. I just like really spoiled her with I just loved dressing her I loved being with her and taking care of a girl there's just something different about it Mm -hmm. and 
she was our princess and um yeah like a couple months before she died she had hip surgery because she had hip dysplasia okay and so I actually had spent a lot of time in the weeks leading up to her death um taking her to therapy and like doing a lot of stretches with her Mm -hmm. and you know it was overwhelming at times because I was pregnant I was due for a baby in a couple weeks and um I had two other kids as well and but then after, like, I was so grateful for all of those hours that I yes. spent, like, stretching her legs and, like, we talked together and played together for so many hours a day. Like, I, I was always doing therapy on her. And mm-hmm. so I'm really grateful that I had those moments, you know, where it was, like, forcing me to spend that time with her where otherwise I might have not. And so, yeah, she was just a super smiley baby. She was super happy. She was at a point where I never you know, some, sometimes you get to a point in their life where when you start to get frustrated at times, she would, she never reached that point cause she was still a baby. And uh-huh. so I'm really grateful. That's something that I can be grateful for is that I have only like anytime she started to cry or get frustrated or, you know, whatever, or threw a fit, I just laughed at her. It was funny cause she was still a baby. Yeah. So I'm just grateful for that. You know, if I can find something to be grateful for, she was just a really special baby mm-hmm. child I like was she a child or a baby I don't know she was right in the middle yeah 15 months it's hard to know cause yeah you're just barely barely starting to have, have be in that toddler time yeah she's like starting to be a toddler but she's still so much a baby but I do remember thinking like a few weeks before she died like oh my word she's so big she's like a big girl mm-hmm. like I had just had that thought you know just a few weeks before she died mm-hmm so why don't you go into what happened then with Aria now? Yeah, it was Memorial Day weekend. We were getting, I was getting ready to go. And then I found her after she died in the night. And obviously with any loss, I think even if you know um, from what I've talked to other people, like it's it's sudden and traumatic no matter how it happens. Yeah, no um, matter what. Even if you know it's going to happen, you still are holding on to hope that maybe, you know, that it won't happen, but it was very sudden, definitely not expected. And we were just thrown into grief, I guess, like a lot of us are. And, um, I was due for a baby in four weeks and yeah, it's just, a remembering those days of like, you know, grieving. And then I had trauma on top of it and the PTSD that I like I mean, it felt like grief ruled my life, but on top of grief, trauma ruled my life even more. Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. the trauma um, forced me in some ways to like act in certain ways. Like I couldn't look at my children while they're sleeping or I would go check on them and then I would be um, terrified the whole time. And then eventually I stopped checking on them and just sat in my bed because of that bodily response in my body, the heart pounding and my like knowing that I'm going to find my other children gone as well. Um, like knowing like I, that was real, like hundred percent that was going to happen again and again and again. And, um, yeah, it's just a crazy, crazy time I, to a point where I actually ended up going to the hospital because my face was going numb and everything just felt like my body was falling apart because it was under so much stress. And, Mm -hmm. um, that was when I, like, I had already started going to therapy. Um, but I feel like there was so many, 
it reached a point where like everything forced me to stop to number one start taking care of my trauma dealing with my trauma and processing and moving through it and also supporting myself in my grief and cutting everything out that was not absolutely necessary so like Mm -hmm. my number one goal I guess when you know it was I want to be able to be the mom that I was before, even though I was never going to go back to being that mom that I was. And I wanted to be able to function and take care of my children. That was just like my driving force every single day was like, I right now with my trauma, I don't feel like I can function every day. Like anytime I, my, my husband had to, like, if he left, I had to go to my mom and dad's. I didn't feel like I could function on my own. So Mm -hmm. That was like I wanted to be able to function on my own, and then I wanted to be able to live again. At some point, I didn't know if there was possibility for me. Like it felt so hopeless when I was in this dark hole. I didn't know, you know, when I would look at pictures of myself laughing, and I'd be like, "Is that is that possible?" Like at twenty three, is it is laughing done for me? Like that pure mm-hmm. laughter and joy. Is that is my life over with that? Like is that possible? Um, and so it's, it's hard when, when you don't even know if you believe that that's possible for you. As you go through this, you know, the, it actually gets worse, right? So right mm-hmm. away, you are in shock. Mm-hmm. Right away after it happens. I don't know if you can even remember back to what those first days were like. But it wasn't that deep pit that you ended up being later Do you want to talk a little bit about that process, about how things were kind of right away and how it changed over time and then becoming, getting to that point where you're realizing where you are and where you've gone? Yeah, I think I've thought a lot about this and I think the shock and denial part is, is necessary. Like it's our body's way of protecting us. Um, because if we could understand the full scope and depth of it in the immediate aftermath, I think we just wouldn't be able to get up. And yes. it's our body's way of protecting us from dying ourselves, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there's an added layer to that is that a lot of people expect you to have moved on or to like get over, you know, it's been six months. What, you know, what's going yeah. on? Like, why are you still stuck in the past? Why are you still stuck in that spot? You know, they think you should get over it. And there's a lot of people who don't and a lot of people who are very supportive. But I think when you don't understand the depth and the length of child loss and grief, how it is just with you forever, um, it's easy to think that people should move on or that they should get over it. And so as time goes on and more and more people seem to um, expect you to be over it. That's another layer added to, I think it like they, they coincide with each other. The shock starts to wear off and then the support starts to disappear because mm-hmm. people expect you to move on or to they be over it. They have these higher expectations. Yeah. And as a society, we don't, we don't know how to support grievers because we have the expectation that you should, you know, it should be like, six weeks that's like I don't know exact number but it's like something between like six to eight weeks is like society's perception of when you should be done grieving Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so that makes it you know a lot more difficult um I have a clear memory of 
me at five months. And I remember thinking that this has been five months and I'm like still feeling like I'm drowning. I'm still Mm -hmm. trying to just get through every day. I'm still, I remember thinking, you know, that I thought I would be further than this by now. Five months is a long time. You know, in my mind before Aria died, I felt like five months was a long time. And then after she died, I was like, five months is just a blink. Like five months is not very long. And so I think it's just, you know, we all have our own time is just this, like, it's very long and it's very little. It's such a weird thing. I feel like time is as time keeps going and we're like, sometimes it feels like our world stopped the day they died, Yes. but time just keeps marching on. And And especially for everyone else, it keeps Mm -hmm. marching on just the same. And they kind of don't remember um, that your life doesn't keep moving on in the same way. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you talk about people expecting you to be better and expecting you to have moved on, it's not that they're being mean in that, Mm -hmm. right? They really want the best for you. They Mm -hmm. love you. They want you to be better. And they just so desperately want you to be better that they feel like I can just push it on them a little bit and then they'll be okay. And it makes themselves feel better Mm -hmm. because it's, I'm sure, (laughs) difficult to be a close friend or family member of someone going through this grieving process when it lasts months and months Mm -hmm. and months and years. it just gets hard on them. I, yeah. I think of my good friend, Michelle, and she just wanted so desperately to take away my pain and still does. But it got to the point where she was getting pretty down and depressed herself. And she needed to get some support from other people just because being my friend and mm-hmm. walking with me through this was hard. Mm-hmm. And it's a hard thing to have to do. So... I like I lots of people like uh, to come listen to my show too, just to know how to help other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's important. It's important to know how to help other people and then to get help yourself and to not put your expectations too high, either for that griever that they need to heal or for you that you need to somehow make them better mm-hmm. totally. because you're not going yeah. to do it. There's nothing you can do to fix their pain. No. No, yeah. and I want to so badly, and I so get that. Yeah. I mean, I'm a doctor. I, that's my job <laughs> is to try to fix people. And, and, and it's such a good place for me to be now to be dealing with something that absolutely can't be fixed. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can try to help as much as I can. I can walk beside you. I'm happy to walk beside as many people as I possibly can, but I know I'm not going to fix you. And I'm not even going to try. Yeah. That's something that I think is really important that you brought up is that when you experience the death of your child, you become a different person. And these other people who are wanting to support you, who love you, a lot of times there's that, you know, they're like, when are you going to be yourself again? Mm -hmm. When, when, you know, can you just be yourself again? Like they loved you as you were. So you're grieving the loss of yourself and they're also grieving the loss of their friend or that person who you were before. And so I think like just having compassion for all of us, for the griever and the person Mm -hmm. who's supporting the grief, because 
they are also grieving the loss of who you were and their yes. life with you, that relationship you had before. And so I think just it's really, it can be really hard to find compassion for others when you're in so much pain. But I just think it's something that's really helpful is to understand that they a lot of times want to help. Like you said, like they, they want to help you. And sometimes they just don't know the best way. And so, yeah, like listening to podcasts like this is helpful for them. Or if somebody can reach for more understanding from both sides, like more mm -hmm. compassionate understanding. And sometimes we as grievers just have to be the teachers, mm -hmm. which is a lot of pressure to put on someone who's grieving. But it's just ends up being necessary. Mm -hmm. It's a bummer. And it's a lot of pressure. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, you just don't know. Mm -hmm. don't it's know. hard. I mean, when I think back to myself, I there were some people who had lost a baby um, before Aria died. And I did not have a clue. Like, no. I clearly remember my actions. I clearly remember what I thought. I clearly remember everything because it was so um, pretty soon before she died. And I remembered, mm -hmm. I remember what I was like. I'm like, I had no clue. And so I want to take that compassion for other people who don't, they don't have a clue. They don't understand. But now with my work, I can work on educating other people because I am in a place where I feel like I can. When I was mm -hmm. newly grieving, it was exhausting. I just had to be like, you know, if you don't understand or you're not going to try to understand, I, I can't explain it to you. I guess we just can't communicate right now mm -hmm. I just don't have the energy to to expend to you trying to explain if yeah. you're not even going to try so I think that's something else that's important for like for me it was like I only had so much energy my grief took up so much of my energy and so being super mindful of like where is my energy going what am I expending it on what can I let go of and even what expectations can I let go of, of anything in my life, you, you know, being communicating with somebody or whatever it is, just letting that go. Because you know what, right now I am grieving and I need to allow myself the energy to grieve because it is taking every ounce of my energy right now. It does. It does. And it has to, mm -hmm. because if you don't take the time to really grieve and you just try to plow through and push it down it'll come up to bite you I mm -hmm. mean it just will it's mm -hmm. not going to go away not no it's not and I think we're all gonna have you know different journeys with that I what I've been finding in my work with people is that we will all come to that conclusion at a different time in our lives like you know some of us will fight it and some of us will try get a get away from it but at some point Every single one of us comes to the realization that, um, yeah, I guess I can't fight it. It's still mm -hmm. here. It's, you know, once grief comes on your doorstep, it's going to sit out there outside your front door until you're ready to open it and let it in. And that's an important point. I like that point until you're ready to open it up, open mm -hmm. up and let it in. Because sometimes you're not right away. Yeah. And if you're not ready right away and you do need to just, I just can't deal with this right now. Mm -hmm. that is okay. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to take this out in little pieces when I can deal with it. That's perfect. Yeah. I, I like setting aside time to grieve. Mm -hmm. um, in my life now, that's one thing this podcast has done for me 
it gives me time to really focus on my grief and think about my grief and talk about my grief so that in other parts of my life, I can put it away because I know that I'm going to take it out again tomorrow or in two days or something like that. I'm going to take it out and deal with it then. So for right now, I can put it down. Yeah, that totally makes sense. And I've heard of people like giving that example of like setting time aside, like 10 minutes every day. Okay, this is when I can grieve and let my emotions out and let everything out. And then, you know, like you kind of like box it up, put it on a shelf safe there, and then you'll come back to it. So it's Mm -hmm. for Mm -hmm. sure. It's super helpful. I know you touched a little bit about suffering from some PTSD after you found her. Why don't you talk a little bit about PTSD and how you've grown to kind of understand it in a different way than what you did prior to finding Aria? Yeah, I think I I thought PTSD was for soldiers. I thought, you know, only soldiers got PTSD. I didn't even understand, you know, that it could be possible in a day-to-day life. I, I don't even think I thought about PTSD. Like I, I normally, I kind of felt, I didn't understand mental health. I felt like even though I had felt a little bit mentally or not mentally, emotionally broken, like I didn't feel super in control of my emotions. I felt like, you know, I didn't understand as much tons about anxiety, even though I had had some anxiety. I just didn't have as much compassion for it because I didn't understand. I didn't understand how out of control you feel. Mm-hmm. I didn't know. I've never felt anything like this. And then as soon as, you know, I started experiencing the trauma response in my body, I I felt broken. I felt crazy. I was wondering what was wrong with me. I, I literally felt like I was, I had this stress ball in my chest that was slowly killing me. I would Mm -hmm. tell people that I have this ball of stress that is not going away and I don't know how to get rid of it. And it is like, I am on edge every second of every day. I feel like I'm going to explode. I am just on alert all the time trying to make sure everyone around me is safe and alive. And like, I couldn't relax ever. Even if I tried, somebody had sent me some like meditations to, you know, relax and calm down. I was like, I can't do those right now. I can't even, I can't. I can't relax. I had no control over, you know, the bodily response that I had to a trigger or an event, something that, you know, for me was sleeping children mainly or sleeping people in general, anybody sleeping. And my body responded without me having any control over it. It just happened. I reacted. I like even, so an example would be like I'd try to lay my newborn baby down to sleep. And I'd be like, you know, make sure she was completely safe. She was on her back. There was no anything in her crib with her. And I would lay her down and be like, all right, it's in God's hands. I can't do anything. I've kept her as safe as I can. And I'd lay down and like five minutes later, pop up in an absolute panic. I was like, she's gone. Then you check on her. I like many times shook her to make sure she was breathing and alive. And it was just, it was this constant cycle of, re-traumatizing Trump like it was just traumatizing again and again and again I lived in this constant cycle and fear and battle of trauma and I like I didn't know that that's what was going on until I was at therapy and my therapist had mentioned that maybe you um have trauma would you like does that feel right for you so I looked up you know the symptoms of PTSD and I um 
I was like, whoa, mm. this has a name, what I'm experiencing. It has like, I, I, it was very relieving to me that what I was experiencing didn't mean I was crazy. That this was something that a lot of people experience that, you know, that I've learned now feels more common than we even realize, especially amongst child loss. Um, I think in any way you lose your child is absolutely traumatizing. It, it just, I didn't understand what it was. And when I went to therapy, um, to a different therapist who we did EMDR with, he explained it to me like, if you imagine your brain and your memories are like, your brain is like a computer and your memories are like computer files within the computer. And our memories you know, normally we file them away, like, you know, riding your bike when you were five or whatever, all these memories that you have in your life, they're filed as past events that happened in your life. But as with trauma, your brain can't, there's like a glitch in your brain where you can't file that, that memory as something that happened in the past. That's not constantly happening, happening again and again and again. To somebody like me, when I was experiencing the trauma and PTSD, I was reliving that without any, like, it was real. It was really happening mm -hmm. again and again and again. I found my other kids dead in their sleep again and again and again, over and over. And it, I experienced it as real. I saw it as real. I felt it as real. And to somebody else looking in, they may be like, what is going on with you? Like, why? Like, your, your child's just fine. Like, what's going on? But... For me, mm -hmm. the way my body experienced it, the way my brain saw it, the way my brain had connected those events and couldn't file that as something that happened in the past, I just relived it over and over and over again. And it's a horrific, horrible place to be and to live in. Like it's not something, I guess, any any of it that I wish on anybody. But yeah. Yeah, I completely understand. I know um, I have a good friend who talked to a friend of hers who's a psychiatrist and they were talking about how it was doing and the psychiatrist said something about how is her PTSD and my friend Megan kind of was surprised because she didn't say anything about PTSD. I hadn't said anything about PTSD. No one had ever even broached the mm -hmm. subject and she said to her, well, of course she has PTSD. She was in this horrible car accident. She saw her son die. There is no way she's not experiencing PTSD, mm -hmm. which I absolutely was. I mean, you talking about reliving that, it's so vivid to me. I, I can even still go back now, but I used to go back all the time. And I would feel, um, so when I came to, I was sitting on the grass it, it was you know it was August so on the side of the interstate the grasses are tall and you know brown and coarse and rough and I could feel the grass on my skin mm -hmm. on my arms I could feel it sitting there I could I, everything right seeing the blood running down mm -hmm. my husband's face, seeing them doing the CPR and Andy's little body jumping. Everything was just as vivid as that instant. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was everything. You could just, I, it, it was astounding to me the way I would feel the grass mm -hmm. like all the time. Mm -hmm. And that was, 
not what you would expect, mm-hmm. certainly, and not what people would expect. And I think why you think you're kind of going yeah, crazy. Yeah, totally. Because it gets to the point where I'm driving along the road because it was very difficult for me to mm-hmm. drive, obviously. Very, very hard. I would constantly envision myself going off the road on, into the ditch through a sign, ending up, I mean, just constantly mm-hmm. could see that happening again and again. And then I was there. I would be there just in a second and any little thing could put me there in a second and even other things unrelated to driving just um maybe walking in a store and i would see a family with three kids and i would look at the middle one and especially if the middle one was a boy i i would go Mm -hmm. there i would just boom right there at the accident scene in a second Mm -hmm. so it's debilitating and it's debilitating to be a pediatrician who sees kids every single day and having those jumping there Mm -hmm. and have feeling like I can't breathe. I can't, you know, just even the smell of just that burning, you know, it's just Mm -hmm. all there. So, um, I can, I I totally understand what you went through because I feel like I did the same thing. And I know you've talked about doing EMDR, EMDR, because I did that as well. Although I have to tell you, hated it. I mean, hated going through it. I would dread it. I would have this appointment with my therapist and I would be wanting to talk about anything before I had to do the EMDR because the second I would go to EMDR, you know, I would be there. I couldn't breathe. I couldn't because you don't want to do it. That's I don't know. That's if you interesting. That. <laughs> no, I, I just often wondered, though, like because I've talked with people who meet like their therapists. So because sometimes I wonder if some therapists go too quickly for people mm-hmm. and like force people to do. I don't know how your therapist went about it. And I just know that my therapist, he had a like he called it like a green, orange and red zone. And that if he ever saw mm-hmm. me getting into any red zone, we we stopped. And then he asked me, mm-hmm. where am I feeling it in my body? We checked in with my body. I calmed down. And then we kept going. And it never, I mean, yeah. there was definitely like in the moment, in my in the room, I like hated it. I'd be like, I hate yeah. feeling this way. I don't like feeling this hopelessness. I don't like feeling this pain. I don't like re-experiencing this these emotions and sensations in my body were so intense and I was like get me out of here like I don't like this (laughs) but by the time I left he always like brought my body back to calm and Mm -hmm. every single time and she would too but I still but you dreaded it yeah to do it I still dreaded doing it because I knew yeah yeah you know and it's I know your safe place where was your safe place it was Like like a beach that I went to with my husband yeah yeah so I would end with my safe place and every single time I had so much hope when I left and so I think for me I and it could be definitely just different personalities you know the different ways we Mm -hmm. like I was always like this is helping me this is working so I was excited to go back because I always had that goal of like hey I need to I had like little increment goals. Like I need to be able to leave my baby for five minutes without checking on her while she's sleeping. Okay, now I need to leave her for 10 minutes and now I need to leave her for 15 minutes. So I had those little goals that I kept wanting to get to. So I 
I don't know. I also have a pretty determined personality. So it's just like, okay, whatever it takes, this is what I'm doing, <laughs> you know, but it definitely in those moments there, it was really, it's not yeah. fun. I'm not going to say it's a fun no. experience, but it is absolutely worth it. It was definitely yeah. helpful. Yes, it was helpful and worthwhile. And it did a world of good mm -hmm. for me. I just have to say in the little moments oh, for leading sure. up to it, I, I wouldn't be excited about doing it just because it's scary yeah, and hard and it's, it's but but everything mm -hmm. is with grief right it's all hard mm -hmm. work it's hard hard work. it is and that's the thing is why maybe so many of us don't want to face it because it is intense it is so painful but that's like the one thing i've learned is that yeah the only way is through it it really is mm -hmm. and even with the trauma i'm like to think of where i was with my trauma into where i am now like there is absolutely no comparison so like going through that emdr process and like finishing that trauma response even though it was intense was so worth it i'm so grateful for where i'm at now so like i just want to encourage anybody mm -hmm. if they feel like they have trauma and it's scary to even think about emdr like your life can change for the better for so like it i, I can't even describe it how different my life is from when i was living in that trauma every single moment to where I am now. Mm -hmm. Well, I would agree. I'm much, much, much mm -hmm. better. I, I mean, at, at my worst, I never, ever thought I could be a working pediatrician mm -hmm. ever again. Never. Because every kid I saw put me into such bad yeah. shape, right? But, and, and that's what one of my goals was when I went in right away was I want to be able to see kids mm -hmm. again. I want to be able to be a doctor again. And so we had that as one of my goals. And so that was an early trigger for me to work mm -hmm. on, right? Even before some of the others, before the being able to drive past the accident mm -hmm. sites like we have to do or some of those other things. But being able to look at little boys and not jump to a trauma response was important. Mm -hmm. I can't function. Yeah. Yeah, and in my job, for sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But even in life in general, it's hard to do. For sure. And I just like, I want to acknowledge you for like, to, even though that was hard, even though it was painful that you, you went and did it anyways. It's a, yeah, it, it was, was hard, hard, but you, you have yeah. to do, you have to do mm -hmm. the hard stuff. You have to do the hard stuff. And sometimes the emotions are not fun to go through. I think about um, anger as another big emotion that a lot of people feel and to have to deal with that and go through that is important to push it down and pretend it's not there ends up not being the right thing. No. Yeah. You just have to kind of work through all of those emotions, whether they're difficult or mm -hmm. not. I've often thought of it this way that like a lot of people will be like, you know, with guilt or anger, they, they seem like they're, Oh, as a society, we view them as like bad emotions. Like we shouldn't feel these emotions. But I've often told people like just telling somebody that you shouldn't feel anger or you shouldn't feel this way doesn't make them stop feeling it. Or even with yourself, if you're like, oh, I don't like being angry. I'm just going to pretend I'm not angry. It, the anger doesn't go away. <laughs> it doesn't disappear. No. There's so many ways you can work through it and process it and kind of allow the anger to flow through your body and to notice what the thoughts that are making you angry and choose different thoughts if you want to or just become aware of them. 
there's so many things you can do to help yourself work through the anger, but just saying, I shouldn't feel angry or I don't want to feel angry is just going to shove that giant beach ball of anger underneath the water and then it will explode at some point. It's going to come out at some point. Right. And it's so nice being in a place now that I have really let go of the anger. It is so wonderful Mm -hmm. to know that I have gone through it all. I have lived the anger and I willingly let go of it and and am in a place where it can be truly gone Mm -hmm. um, as opposed to I just don't want to deal with the anger so I'm just going to shove it down Mm -hmm. because then you're not past it Mm -hmm. entirely Mm -hmm. so I just feel so much more at peace now having been able to get through that yeah so and you're not going to be able to let it go until you work through it like it's a Mm -hmm. It's something, and then something else I think that comes up a lot is these emotions is how we start to attach to our child. So like feeling guilt or anger might be the way that we connect with their memory. Mm -hmm. And so it can feel terrifying to think of letting go of guilt or to think of letting go of anger because it's like, well, if I let go of guilt, what do I have? I don't have any connection to them where mm-hmm. I really believe you can you can make connections with love or peace or joy and bring joy of their memory forward with you. Letting go of guilt allows you to suffer less and you don't have mm-hmm. to feel the guilt or the anger or whatever this emotion is to remember your child. But that's something that comes well, up. A I lot. remember saying to my therapist that I didn't want to really let go of my Mm -hmm. sadness of my tremendous sadness because I felt like that's what tied Mm -hmm. me to Andy and I think that's a common thing too I just my loss and overwhelming grief and sadness were my biggest connection Mm -hmm. to him and you need to be able to transition that to feel like my biggest connection to him is my Mm -hmm. love for him not these feelings of loss and that I think is a long transition and I think that ebbs and flows too for sure right I mean Tuesday was Andy's Mm -hmm. birthday it was a horribly Mm -hmm. hard day right he turned 16 um anyway we had a very Mm -hmm. hard time one one nice thing that came of it is we put um on Facebook and on the webpage asked for donations to the Grand Rapids Choir of Men and Boys, which is where Andy sang. Uh, We asked if people would give $16 for Andy's 16th birthday. And we got between three and $4,000 worth of donations in Andy's name. So that was a nice thing to do on an otherwise Mm -hmm. horrible day. Um, So trying to find some little glimmers even when you feel like the sadness is overwhelming, if you can do something different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. And I think there's something though, like grief is how I view it is like grief is our normal and natural response to loss. Like all of these emotions are real and valid and a part of our experience, but there's ways that we can cause suffering and almost like, like, I deserve this suffering because I was their mom and maybe for some reason we feel like we weren't able to protect them in some way or whatever it is. 
that we deserve to feel this pain. Yes. And so there's so many things that we hold on to as the mom or who, you know, the parent of like, I deserve this or um, I I should feel this or I don't want to let go of it because this is how I connect to them. But I think there's grief will come in and out forever. I will have grief forever. I'm never so. But for me, it's easier. I say with like air quotes now because I know that grief comes and goes forever. Mm-hmm. When my grief comes, I'm like, oh, hi, grief. Here you are again. Like, I don't say, oh, what are you doing here? You shouldn't be here. You shouldn't be a part of my life. And I'm like, oh, actually, you are a part of my life. And I allow it in and then it flows in and out. Mm-hmm. And when I allow it to flow in and allow it to flow out, it just it comes and goes rather than like fighting it and battling it every single time it comes in. And then it's like exhausting battle that, you know just keeps going so I don't know if that makes any sense but oh I think it does I just I think back to Tuesday when we had Andy's birthday it was a day of experiencing that loss and that grief Mm -hmm. coming back very very heavy right and it felt very heavy that day but again it's not like what are you doing here go away it's okay to come today Mm -hmm. it's okay to have a little worse time and tomorrow will probably be a little better yeah. And if it's not, it's not. Maybe yeah. the next day will be a little bit better. But there are good days and bad days. They can sneak up on you. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's with a holiday. Sometimes it's not. Yeah. Sometimes it's just some random thing that comes up and grabs you. But you're right to not be shocked and upset when the grief comes in. To just say, yes, there you are. Mm-hmm. I know you're here. Let's deal with you a little bit right now. And then I can push you down, push you to the side a little bit again mm-hmm. to be able to deal with some other things. Yeah. So yeah, it's sure. just a part of your life there. Yeah. And sometimes that, you know, that's frustrating or whatever, like you can fight that too, mm-hmm. but it's mm-hmm. also like, you know what it is, <laughs> it's a part of my life. It's a part of your life. And no matter how much we fight it, we can't change that it is mm-hmm. here. So now I want to go and talk a little bit about finding joy, though, again, because that's something you recently talked about mm-hmm. in one of your podcast episodes. So talk to me about that, about that finding of joy. Yeah. And giving, your, your, giving yourself really permission yeah. to find joy again. Yeah, because I think, like I was saying earlier, we, we feel like many times that we need to suffer. We need to hold on to this suffering or this pain because maybe it connects us to them or maybe we feel like because they're gone that we don't have the right to feel any joy. Um, But I have found, um, I think sometimes we have to choose joy. We have to deliberately make the choice that I am going to work towards joy or happiness or life after loss. It might not feel easy right away. It might not feel like you're finding that right away, but we have to each step, if you just take, or each day, if you just take a little step towards Mm -hmm. it, it doesn't, it's not like you're just going to jump and be there. It's a decision every single day that, okay, I'm going to work towards joy. I'm going to work towards life again and living, um, fully again, even alongside of grief. But I have found that there's many things that I have 
learned on my grief journey and something I I think is that we all have to come to this in our own terms and own way. Nobody else can come up to us and be like, hey, look for the joy. Look for the good things. Come on. Look for the blessings. Right. Right. It has to come from us, from, you know, each of us. Absolutely. Gets to choose and decide. And what I say is like, you know, nobody can tell you that and you don't have to make that choice. But if you want to look for it, there are things that you can find that you can Mm -hmm. find um, are blessings or things you've learned. Um, For me, things that I have learned are like learning to allow, uh, um, be with the little moments with my kids. Like I learned that those little moments with Aria were the ones that I missed the most. So when I am with my kids, I like, I allow myself to feel grateful and like content with them and to like sit and like, if they're being funny, I like soak in that moment. I feel like I soak in the moments a lot more. I have learned to live a lot more on purpose that I know that life can end at any second. And so what what do I want to live my life? How do I want to live? What's important to me? Mm-hmm. What What is my purpose here and what what's important to me? And I, that keeps coming back for me. What's important and, and keep, you know, it's a little check to me of like, okay, Am I focusing on the things that are important to me or not? Just so many things. I'm a different person. And right away, that was really painful because I didn't want to be a different person. I wanted to be the person I was. And Mm -hmm. so I'm not telling, you know, I'm not being like, hey, be grateful for the person you are. For me, as time has gone on, I am so grateful for the person I've become. And I wouldn't want to go back to who I was. Though... Obviously, I'm like, of course, I would take Aria back. I would love to go back to the person I was. It's a big, painful, you know, trade. But yeah, I am so grateful for who I am. I feel like I have a deeper life. I have a fuller life. I am more compassionate. I love people more. I have more empathy for, you know, grief and mental health and just so much understanding. I feel like my my color wheel of life of emotional depth is so much brighter and so Mm -hmm. i'm just grateful for me where i am at but Mm -hmm. yeah it's just uh, there's so many things that i have been able to reach for joy but that doesn't mean that i'm not grieving it doesn't mean that i will you know stop grieving and that's something that, you know, I'm, I want to be very clear is that because I have joy doesn't mean I'm done grieving, but you can grieve and have joy in the same same time. Yeah. In the same breath at the same second. Yeah. Tell us what you've been doing right now to help grieving people. Yeah. I am focusing mainly on grieving moms just because that's my story. Um, but I have a podcast called grieving moms podcast that I just share different techniques, like tools that I have used in my life and then stories from other people. And I have been coaching um, Gravy Moms one-on-one and I've started a group group coaching as well, which has been incredible. Like I, I just love it. I love seeing the changes that come to them. Like the tools that I have found in my life to help me that I'm able to give them to, to these moms is just I I'm so grateful for the work that I get to do and to be with them and to sit with them in their grief and then to help them kind of let go of that suffering that they're in. So how did the coaching part start? 
And is there was there specific training for that or no? I didn't no. do any training. It's just my own experiences and what I have done. Mm-hmm. I've done a ton of reading, a ton of talking with grieving mothers, a ton of learning about grief, and then I've been part of many different coaching programs of my own where I have been coached. So I have learned techniques and ways of coaching. Um, it's just been. I think for me, for a while, it felt like I need to go get certified and all this stuff. But then I'm like, you know what? <laughs> if I want to be a grief coach or like whatever, there's nobody who can certify me enough because I've lived it and experienced it and found life and joy after loss myself. So mm-hmm. that has been super helpful. And then even just doing it now and being able to support people has been, it's just incredible. It's so like I said, it's amazing to see the changes that they have in their lives and like the the changes that they voice to me, like how amazing it is for them. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, it's it's an important thing being able to talk to other grieving moms. I think there's mm-hmm. just something very unique about this experience that other people can't appreciate if they haven't gone through it themselves. So that is a nice thing. Uh, just to be able to draw on those experiences from other people. Yeah, that's the mm-hmm. thing is like, it's it's not an experience that you can explain to somebody. Like, no, I feel like I've told people, I'm like, okay, it's like an experience that you can almost talk without words. Like you can, you can just be like, oh yeah, <laughs> I get it. Like you don't have to, you start to explain it and you're like, oh yeah, that I, I understand mm-hmm. that. And so... Mm-hmm it's just really helpful to have somebody who knows what it's like. And then for me, I feel like I'm able to offer um, hope as well, like that your life isn't over and that um, there is life after loss if we, if you want to choose it and decide to, to have it mm-hmm. and if you're ready for it. Yeah, it's an important thing to remember uh, because it's so easy to just get lost Mm -hmm. and to feel like you're drowning and everything is dark so it's nice to be able to see someone who's got some light I know being able to talk to people in my life that are further ahead in their journey is so helpful to me you know my friend Stephanie who I talk about a lot who is just a year ahead of me in this whole process I look to her all the time because I feel like Stephanie went through the same thing last year Mm-hmm. If if Stephanie has gone another year, I can go to at least where she is now, yeah. right? And yeah. and she's always one year ahead of me. So no matter what I'm doing, I can always look to her to know. Mm-hmm. And then I've got a friend, Megan, another <laughs> different Megan, <laughs> whose daughter died two days before Andy did. So we're going through it and living through it together. Mm-hmm. So you know, when Andy had his birthday, of course, Megan was reaching out to me and her daughter's birthday was just a few weeks ago. And I reached out to her because we're living it together. So Mm -hmm. we kind of, again, are like, Megan's living every day. I can too. Um, And then now I feel like through the podcast and, and other, just others that I've come in contact with who have now died since Andy, I can try to be the same thing for them Mm -hmm. to be that little bit of light saying, you know, you're a year behind me. Just look to see what I'm doing because I'm hanging in there Mm -hmm. and I've been there 
and I've experienced the anger and I've experienced this and I know you can get through. Mm -hmm. If I can, you can. Totally. That's, I remember the same thing of like looking to other people of like, okay, can I just let me know, please, that there's like some, some sort of like you, you have some sort of happiness again, or you have some sort Mm -hmm. of joy again. Is like, is that possible? And when other people share and say like, there is life after loss, it's different. You're never going to stop grieving, but it's possible. It's like, okay, I can do this. I will get through it. Even if I don't believe it right now, even if I don't know how it's possible, I can just keep going and I Mm -hmm. will get there. And I like having specific people that you can look towards Mm -hmm. too, and not just, I mean, there's something to be said for reading books. I Mm -hmm. have read books, certainly, but sometimes those books are written so far out from the death of their child. Mm -hmm. They're written 10, 12 years out, and then the book was old, you know, was written 10 years before that. And then, like, I just feel like then I can't relate Mm -hmm. as much to if I can look ahead just a little bit, right? Mm -hmm. Because at the beginning, especially, but even now for me, if I have to think about what life's going to be like 10 years from now without Mm -hmm. Andy, when the rest of the kids are grown up and now starting to have kids on their own and getting married, all that stuff, I tear up now even thinking about it. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking about the idea of having to be 10 years down the road without Andy is scary still. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I can think six six months from now I can maybe think a year from now going back to the first months I wasn't doing that Mm -hmm. I could think about next week that's about as far as I could go Mm -hmm. so it's so so important to be able to talk to people and hear how other people do it Mm -hmm. just give your little examples Mm -hmm. so I think what you're doing is great you know you can be that I've done this. I've been mm-hmm. working on this journey for four years. Um, I still feel it every day. I still miss her every day. I still have little kids at home that mm-hmm. I'm parenting. Um, but this is how I can do, this is how I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. It can just be a little guide. Yeah, for that's others. how I feel. Like, I feel like I'm a guide because we all grieve differently. But there's definitely tools that can support us, like, support our bodies, support our minds in the ways that we can navigate it so it can kind of soften the blow of grief. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So do, have you found a lot of people then in your community that you are, that you got to meet and help or that have helped you support groups or yeah. what did you, were you able to do? Or yeah. is it more remote? No. Well, for me, what I do right now with grief coaching, it's all online. Um, Mm -hmm. I do all that online and then I have an online community as well that I kind of run. But for me, when I was newly grieving, um, we went to two different support groups, me and my husband together. And then I had some friends from my church that we actually weren't friends before that, but they're from my church and we all had lost babies. And then we had like a group me that we would um, post on there. So we had a place that all of us who had lost children in the same amount of time that we supported each other through that group me. Um, Mm -hmm. And then I became pretty good friends with another lady who had lost her child not too long before and she's still a really good friend of mine today and we get together. So just finding those people in real life but then like I was a part of Facebook groups and going to therapy and like so many things that I 
latched onto. And then I had a lot of friends who I just, they hadn't lost a child or they didn't understand, but they wanted to understand. And I, I like, mm-hmm. I had a really, I still do. I have an amazing support group of friends and family that I don't necessarily talk about um, my grief all the time or every thought that comes out with all of them, Um, Mm -hmm. but I can. I know that I can if I want to or if I need to. A lot of times nowadays for us, it's a lot with my husband. I feel Mm -hmm. like we we share a lot, but I definitely can and I will if I want to with my friends. That's nice. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for taking the time to tell your story and what amazing work you're able to do now I appreciate it yeah thank you for having me here and letting me share my story of Aria and my journey with grief and hopefully shine a little bit of a light for other grieving moms and know they're not alone yep thank you yeah thank you thanks for listening to losing a child always Andy's mom please subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast player. We are always looking for new show ideas. If you'd like to be a guest, know someone who'd be a great guest, or have a show idea, please email us at marcy at andysmom.com. Be sure to visit the webpage, andysmom.com, for more content, including Marcy's blog. There you can also sign up to receive updates via email. Together, let's work to inspire hope, one day at a time.